0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. He towered above the rest. Was he a man? Was he a god or a demon? No one could be sure, but what they did know is that he had the strength of ten men and the heart of a warrior. I'm TK, your guide to the past as we uncover the people events, and little-known facts hidden in the shadows of your old history textbooks. From empress baddies to activist profiles, turkey gods and the history of the toothbrush, tattoos, Pompeii peepees, and everything in between, you can find it all here. There's no telling how far we'll dig or how many historical facts we'll re-examine. No event is too small and no topic is too big because this is for the love of history. Hello, 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 my friends. This is TK, your tour guide to the past. And you are listening to For the Love of History podcast, where we talk about world history, women's history, and weird history. We have got a very different episode, uh, but also a very familiar episode for today. We are talking about Japanese history. Of course, it's my favorite. I love it. But we're also talking about... (gasps) A man, but it's okay. He's a super cool man. He is allowed to be an episode topic. You're gonna love him, I promise. It's gonna be great. So, who's excited? I'm excited because we are gonna be talking about Yasuke, the black samurai. But before we dive into our topic today, I just wanna do a little bit of housekeeping stuff that I usually do at the end, but some people don't listen to the end of the podcast, and that's okay. Sometimes I also don't listen to the end of the podcast, but I want to let you know that if you want to help spread the love and grow For the Love of History podcast, leaving a five-star rating and review helps other people find For the Love of History, helps out the weird podcast algorithm, and if you'd like more For the Love of History content and you have $2 a month to spare, you can join Patreon and get lots of extra goodies like letters from Japan, podcast stickers, and much more. Oh, discount code for the merch. Oh, that's a great segue. There's also merch for the Love of History podcast merch. The store uh, can be found in the link in my bio on Instagram and Twitter, and also in the show notes of this episode. Okay, we're done. On to the fun stuff. I won't make you wait any longer, so grab the nearest weapon and get your warrior face on, and let's get to it. When I first heard the story of Yasuke, I honestly thought it was a myth, just a legend. Then I dug a little deeper, and I found out that, yeah, Yasuke was a real guy, and he really did live in Japan. So then I was like, okay... He's real, but he probably didn't do much. It was probably just like all ceremony, right? Wrong. I was so, so wrong. Turns out he was just like BFFs with one of the greatest military leaders in Japanese history. The man who unified half of Japan after 100 years of civil war. Oda Nobunaga. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Let's back it up a couple of years. And as we always do, let's set the scene and figure out where we are in history. The time is the late 1500s. The place? Kuchinosu Port, near Nagasaki. Japan has been in a civil war for almost 100 years. What is now known as the Sengoku Jidai, or the Warring States Period in English. Japan is super wary of foreign influences and is just a few years away from closing off the country for like the next 300 years. But luckily for Portugal, Japan made a few exceptions. So in comes our next player, Portugal. Portugal was living its best life as one of the few countries in Japan allowed to dock and trade. Portugal served as a really important kind of middleman for Japan when it came to Chinese silk. Japan relied on Portugal to get silks from China and I know what you're thinking, TK, that's super weird. Isn't China like right next to Japan? And yeah, it totally is. You are a geography expert. Nothing gets by you, but China and Japan were not friends at this time. Like super duper not friends and it was hella illegal to trade directly with one another. The Ming emperor was like, nah, Japan, GTFO, no silk for you. But Japan had stuff that China wanted and China had stuff that Japan wanted, so they needed a middleman. So Portugal pulled a Katniss Everdeen and volunteered as tribute, and they became the go-between to make a little bit of profit and also spread Christianity which was a double win for Portugal. So fast forward a couple years and the Portuguese have now been allowed to establish a port in Kuchinosu and this is a thriving area with people from all over the world. As long as they were on a Portuguese or Dutch, but like whatever Dutch, we don't care about you. As long as they were on Portuguese ships, they were good to go. You had people from India, China, the Middle East, Mozambique, Ethiopia, all over the place. One of these people to come into Japan through Kuchinosu port was none other than Yasuke himself. Yasuke would land in Japan in 1579 not knowing the role he would play in the final climax of a war that had been going on for a century. Not much is known about Yasuke's early years, and Yasuke wasn't even his real name. It was given to him when he came to Japan. There's no written record of it anywhere. It's believed that he was born around... 1555 in Mozambique, and he was most likely taken when he was eight by Portuguese enslavers. He was probably a member of the Makua people, which is a Bantu tribe, but it's not possible to confirm this. Really, his whole early life is a mystery, but what we do know is that he was taken to India, where he somehow became a free man and continued to be for the rest of his life. There are two theories on how he became free. In India, when your enslaver dies, you become a free person, or you can somehow earn your way out of becoming an enslaved person, which I'm not really sure exactly how that works, but it happened. In India, he became free. After this, he somehow became employed by the Portuguese man, Alexandro Valignano. Valignano was a Jesuit priest from Portugal, and he was assigned to go convert people in Japan. The Porci- <laughs> the Portuguese, the Portuguese <laughs> Jesuits really wanted to convert like all of Japan. That was the plan. But spoiler alert, it did not happen. In fact, it ended very badly for Christians in Japan. Heads were cut off. People were filleted. It was terrible. It's a very interesting story, but it's gross. It's really gross. And a story for another time. So, before all of that, Valen, and Yasuke came with a crew of traders and priests to the port of Kuchinosu. There were hundreds of people there from all over the world, and Yasuke was not the only black man, but he really stood apart from the crowd because of his massive size compared to the Japanese and other people there, as well as his ability to speak Japanese pretty fluently. The average height of a Japanese man in the 1500s was about 5 feet or 1.52 meters, and And Yasuke, on the other hand, was six foot two inches, just over two meters tall. Or in Japanese at the time, it's fun. He was roku shaku ni san, which is the measurement of the time. It's cool. It's interesting. It's useless information, but it is interesting. And we know his exact height because it was written down in... One of the many ledgers from Oda Nobunaga's rule, which is cool. Anyways, moving on. And he wasn't just tall. He was also built like a freaking tank. Oda Nobunaga often said that he had the strength of ten men. So the dude was a big guy. But he was also smart and charismatic and honorable. All qualities highly valued among the samurai and the Bushido Code. I mean, anyone really would love a charismatic, honorable, smart guy. Those are great qualities. And speaking Japanese also made him an instant hit. Valignano was serious about converting Japan to Christianity and made all the people in his group learn Japanese before they got to Japan. I, I believe they studied Japanese for like two years before coming, which is more than I can say for myself before moving to Japan, if we're being honest. I didn't know Japanese. I now do, but I didn't. Anyways, Yasuke was just a great all-around smart guy who became an instant sensation in Japan. He got a lot of attention at the port, but Everything really started to kick off when he traveled to Kyoto and the real hubbub began. As he was traveling, he gained a lot of attention. Foreign people hardly ever went to inland Japan and the ones that did usually were just like white Jesuit dudes. So Japanese people at the time lost their freaking minds. People broke down the door of the Jesuit church just to see Yasuke once he finally got there. Kyoto could not deal with Yasuke. A huge riot broke out because people wanted to see him so bad. In fact, several people were crushed to death trying to get a glimpse of Yasuke. And at one point in time, he had to flee one of the riots on horseback, so that he wouldn't die on accident. One such riotous occasion just so happened to be a hop, skip, and a jump away from the residence of Oda Nobunaga. And with all the ruckus and the riot, it disturbed Nobunaga's peace. And he was like, what the fuck is causing this? I am a man of zen. Bring whatever it is to me right now. Because I am interested. I need to know what's going on. So, Oda Nobunaga's guards went to the Jesuit church. They got Yasuke and they were like, You gotta come with us. So, (laughs) Yasuke went from a literal mob of people trying to catch a glimpse of him to Nobunaga's silent, serene palace in a matter of like minutes, which is something that I would not be able to do. But apparently, Yasuke was super poised and had his shit together because Oda Nobunaga was blown away by him. But here we come to a shitty part. A very racist part. Nobunaga didn't believe that Yasuke was really black and he thought Yasuke's skin was painted or something, so he had servants bring water and cloths to try and wash the color off of Yasuke. But when Yasuke obviously was still black because his skin is black, Nobunaga was convinced that Yasuke was real and also, in the process, believed that he was divine if you ever come to Japan or have seen Japanese Buddhist temples, most of the statues of the Batavista Bata Bata Vista? Yeah, Bata have black skin. They're made of black stone. And so the everyday person believed that God's And deities had black skin. And not only did his skin make people believe he was divine, but his personality and disposition did too. He was said to be a man of honor and high morals and very smart. Let me just give you an example of how smart this guy was. So Japanese basically has three different levels, more really. This is very basic. Japanese basically has three different levels of politeness in language. And it's not just tone of voice or the way you talk. It is the actual words that change to become more polite. So we're going to have a teeny tiny little Japanese lesson right now. So the most casual level of Japanese language is futsuke, which just means regular level. And it's what you would use with your friends or your family or something like that. Very easy. So saying something like yoroshiku, which basically means like thank you for taking care of me or thank you for your help or something like that, is what you would use with your friends, your family, people that you're really close with. Yoroshiku. Then if you are talking to a coworker or someone that you don't know, you would say Yoroshku and the onegaishimas adds like a little bit of respect to this to the word. <laughs> but if we're being like real, real polite, you're talking to a really like important person, uh, your boss, a principal, a, a politician, a movie star, I don't know, important people that you talk to. you would say dozo Yoroshku onegaitashimas. So, you go from yoroshiku to dozo yoroshiku onegai It's a whole thing. Words change. I don't understand. That top level is called keigo. It's really hard for me. And that is modern Japanese language. However, during the Sengoku jidai, during the Warring States period, keigo this very very polite language was like nothing that exists in modern Japanese language. It was so crazy polite and so nuanced and changed depending on the rank of you and the rank of the person you were talking to and what occasion you were meeting that person in. People study Japanese people, native Japanese speakers, study for years to understand the ins and outs and usages of this keigo, this very polite language of the court and the affluent people of the warring states, period. So you have Yasuke coming in as a foreign person, people not expecting him to be able to speak Japanese, let alone being able to speak this very, very, very polite, courtly form of Japanese, they were just blown away. They were like, oh my god, what the heck is going on? And rightfully so, because that should be hard. So, the leader, the military leader of the time, the shogun, Oda Nobunaga, was taken aback by Yasuke. Instant man crush bromance. It was a bloomin'. And Oda Nobunaga asked Yasuke to stay at the palace and train to become a samurai. And in the summer of 1581, Oda Nobunaga formally knighted Yasuke. He's not a knight, he samurai him. <laughs> he became an official samurai, basically. Yasuke was given a new name, Land, A short katana symbolizing that he was a samurai, a salary, a home, and servants of his own and was taught the Bushido Code. So for all intents and purposes he became a Japanese citizen and thus became the first foreign samurai in history. Yasuke's position was not purely a ceremonial one. He essentially became Oda Nobunaga's right-hand man in two of the most pivotal wars of the Sengoku period. Oda Nobunaga was on the cusp of unifying all of Japan, and these last two battles would determine Japan's fate. Yasuke played a significant role in the unification of Japan. Oda Nobunaga was all about learning from other cultures, especially the West, and that's what made him such a great leader and military strategist. His appreciation for other cultures also helped him form a relationship and mutual respect for Yasuke. They were just straight-up buds. And through their conversations, because Yasuke had been to a bunch of different countries, Oda Nobunaga was able to learn more about the outside world. I don't know if it was good timing or bad timing for Yasuke to come to Japan at such a pivotal moment, but it happened, so there we are. The Battle of Tenmokuzen was another pivotal... uh, I swear to God, drink every time I say pivotal. (laughs) It was another pivotal battle in Japan. The 1582 Battle of Tenmokuzan, also known as the Battle of Toribata, is regarded as the last stand of the Takeda clan, just the opposing clan of Oda Nobunaga. This was the final attempt by Takeda Katsuyori to resist the combined forces of Tokugawa Ieyasu and Oda Nobunaga. Yasuke fucking crushed it in the battle. People were... terrified of him. He was huge compared to them. He was really, really strong. He just killed it. It was great. Oda Nobunaga was like, I really do love you. They were crushing it hard. And from that battle on, they rode side by side everywhere. And things were going smoothly. Oda and Yasuke were fighting off the last few rebel clans that didn't want to unify and they were just kicking ass and That was going on until June of 1582 when Oda did some dumb shit. I swear to God. (laughs) They went back to Kyoto and then Oda Nobunaga was like, you know what, I'm just going to split my army in two, defeat the last few clans, it's going to be no big deal, and I am going to retire and live out my life. I'm going to go live... In a luxurious temple surrounded by my true love, art and music and beautiful things. And no one's going to know about it. It's going to be a super secret. And then he was like, Yasuke, you should come. It's going to be really chill. And Yasuke was like, bro, I would love to. Thanks for asking. My bags are already packed. So off they go with their entourage to Hononji Temple in Kyoto, ready to live out their art and music luxurious dream, <laughs> but somebody spilled the tea. And the enemy came Anakin, right away. Like, right away. There was no chill time. And who was the little tea spiller? Well, it was none other than Akechi Mitsuhide, which, like, Akechi Mitsuhide is like a low-level dude, nobody really cares about him. So this Akechi Mitsuhide dude goes up with his little cronies to Hononji Temple and they burn it down, which forced Nobunaga to commit ritual suicide called seppuku to save his honor. But before he did, he told Yasuke to escape and go help Nobunaga's son, Nobutade. And Yasuke was like pissed. So he was like, Yes, of course, I'm gonna go right now. Yasuke goes, he makes it to Nijo Temple where Nobutada is, and Yasuke's like, No way in hell am I letting my lord and friend's son be killed. And Yasuke arrives just in time for another major battle. But there was just too many of Mitsuhide's men. Nobunaga's army had been split. Nobutada didn't have enough people at Nijo Castle, so Nobutada was captured and forced to also commit seppuku. Yasuke was also captured, but Mitsuhide was a friggin' racist fuckhead, so Yasuke wasn't allowed to commit seppuku, and instead he was sent back to the Jesuit church, which, I mean must have been really hard for Yasuke. By all Japanese standards at the time, he was Japanese. And sending him back to the Jesuits must have been a huge blow, not being able to commit seppuku. And seppuku is like a big freaking deal at this time because by, you know, ritualistically killing yourself, you save the honor of you and your whole clan and all the people that you were connected with. But there was a little silver lining because Mitsuhide was only Shogun for, like, 13 days. Less than friggin' two weeks because Tokugawa Ieyasu swept in and was like, Nah, my guy, the next Shogun is me. And it was. And it was great. So Yasuke returned to the Jesuits, who were apparently super happy that he was back, They were like, yeah, I missed you, which just goes to show how great Yasuke was and how much of an asset he was to any group he belonged to. But that's where it all stops. There's no evidence of what happened to him after he went back to the Jesuits or if he he even left Japan, what he did with the rest of his life, or if he ever got to return to his Japanese comrades. From here on... Yasuke just kind of slips into the cracks of time. We have come to the final thought, my friend, and you know I never leave you with anything sad or down or too gloomy, and our final thought today is this. Even though we don't really know what happened to Yasuke after he returned to the Jesuit church, we do know that his legacy lives on all throughout Japan and the world. Pop culture, anime, history books, TV shows, movies. The legacy of Yasuke lives on and inspires hundreds of thousands of people. He is a symbol of the acceptance and the cruelty towards diversity in Japan. And I don't normally do recommendations in my podcast, but... I have a recommendation for you today. It's the book African Samurai by Thomas Lockley. It is one of the most comprehensive accounts of Yasuke's life. It's a historical fiction book, but it is based on the actual historical book that Thomas Lockley wrote in 2016. If you are at all interested in getting into Japanese history, this book is the perfect primer for you. You're not only going to learn about a friggin' cool samurai, but you're also going to learn key important historical events throughout Japan, as well as the culture and climate of the time. It's really the perfect way to get started on your Japanese history adventure, your little journey. You don't have to know any Japanese history at all to enjoy this book and get hooked on it. And of course... I will leave the links in to the book in the show notes and I hope you read it and I hope you enjoy it and help the legacy of Yasuke continue on to the next generation. Well, my dear, sweet, lovely friend, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. Episode 40! What? That's bananas. Didn't even realize it until... Uh, the end we're at episode 40 if you did enjoy this episode do leave a little five-star rating uh and review if you have time and don't forget to check out instagram um for all the pictures of this episode and once again thank you thank you so much for listening i literally i wouldn't be here uh without you i hope you have a great weekend a great weekday A great day, night, evening, whatever. I hope you have a good one. Take care of yourself, drink your water, and I will see you on June 25th for episode 41, The Surfing Medicine Women of Hawaii. Bye! Why is there a metronome right now? okay.